So here we are. Here we are. We are the last single service morning ever. Going to two services next week. And we're just calling it Super Sunday. We're going to go two services with Aaron in the morning and then a regional rally at night. Hey, let's just go all out, right? Let's go all out. It's going to be fun. We'll have a few festivities out on the lawn after the PM service. So make sure you're here all day. You won't regret it. It'll be amazing. We're going to come around a time of giving right now. And um, there are many ways you can give. You can give online. You can give via the app. You can give via cash and check as well made out to City Point. But I want to encourage us around our giving this morning. Out of Proverbs 22, I was reading this yesterday and I love this. It says, He who has a bountiful or a generous eye shall be blessed. He who has a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Do you know life is all about perspective? Did you know that? It's all about perspective. So I want to ask you this morning around your giving, what do you see? Have you ever heard it said about photographers, oh, that person has a good eye? Have you heard that? They've got a good eye. They've got an eye for that. Because isn't it interesting that you can have two photographers shooting the same scene and catch two totally different levels of emotion? in one image, I don't know, maybe it's just me because I'm creative and I, I interpret emotion and mood and all, out of anything, right? But you can say that, creatives, creative people say that, that person has a good eye. And this is the thing, it's the same in life. You can have two people experiencing the same scenario, but their perspective affects their personal reality. Okay, if I'm going to cross away from the creative side of things, what about a football game? guys. Okay, I've got you on board now, right? You can be watching the same play and yet have a totally different interpretation depending what team you're supporting. It's all about your perspective, isn't it? Life is all about perspective. And it tells us here that if you have a generous eye, you will be blessed. So in the case of which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Well, generosity always comes before blessing. Always. So what do you see? And this morning, as God challenges us around our finance again, do you see this with a bountiful eye? Do you see every opportunity to be generous? Because it's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of perspective. And you can actually have a bountiful eye. And what that means is you see everything through the lens of generosity. Isn't that awesome? It means you can also have a stingy eye or a lack eye or a poverty eye. But I want to challenge us today. If we're going to step into blessing, that we would have a bountiful eye, that we would see the opportunity of generosity in every moment, because that is what leads to blessing. That's what leads to blessing. And then it goes on, it says, For He gives of His bread to the poor. When we give generously, we see the world around us changed. We really do. And I want to thank you, church, for being such a generous church. Because what we see week in, week out is lives being changed and transformed. I personally have given my life to see God's transformational power take place in people's lives. And we see it because generous men and women like yourselves have a bountiful eye and so into what we do. What we do here locally in church, what we do nationally with Red Frogs and meeting um, schoolies and, and university students and high school students, what we do internationally with our rescue home in Cambodia and different projects we partner with right across the world. 
When we have a generous eye, we are blessed and we give of our bread to the poor. And God loves that, absolutely loves that. So I want to challenge you this morning. Do you have a bountiful eye? What do you see? What do you see? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for another opportunity to give. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd speak to our hearts again that You'd speak to our hearts. I pray that by Your Spirit and by Your grace, Father, we would see how You see, that our eye would see what You see, our ear would hear what You hear, and that we would come with that spirit of generosity that is characteristic of a follower of Jesus. I thank You Your blessing follows. And I thank You that You bless every single person in this room this morning, whether they give or not. Father, I pray you'd stretch our revelation, stretch our capacity in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's receive that awesome offering. Well, guess what? Guess what? Internship launched this week. How awesome is that? How many do we have for this location? We have seven just at City Point Redcliffe, seven interns. So they're buzzing around this morning is their first all-in Sunday. And how many have across all the locations? 22 across all the locations. Isn't that awesome? I think we're pretty awesome that we've got that many just here out of 22. That's so cool. And so um, it's amazing. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through our internship program. Amen? Awesome. Make sure if you see them, you just tell them that they're legends because they are. They've given a year of their lives to be honed and trained and invested in and to give of themselves. So it's awesome. Well, it is the last Sunday of January, which means it's the last Sunday of our hunger and thirst theme. And our scripture tells us those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. That's good news, right? If you hunger and thirst for the things of God, you'll be filled, you'll be satisfied. And so this theme around hungering and thirsting is actually code for a really dry term, spiritual disciplines. Yay! Because we all love the word discipline. And guess what? There are 12 spiritual disciplines. We're going to throw them up on the screen. The ones in bold are the ones that we have covered, okay, because we only had a certain number of sessions. In the next slide, we have when they were all covered. There we go. Okay, so if you want to recap on these, they're all available on iTunes and SoundCloud because the idea of this theme was that you for yourselves would hunger and thirst and be filled for yourself. Amen. You would be that person that receives the power of God and everything that He intends for your life in laying these foundations. And it's really great in January to be able to do this. Who's excited that the fast ends tomorrow? (laughs) Yes. A few hands went straight up. I see that hand. Uh, Fast ends tomorrow. We've also been doing the Bible reading plan. I encourage you, it's not too late, to jump on the City Point app and download that Bible reading plan, which has been amazing. It's actually been really encouraging to me. And um, we've just been on this amazing journey of um, hungering and thirsting through the spiritual disciplines. And we've covered some amazing topics. Has everyone enjoyed it? I've personally loved it, even if you didn't. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about this one, the discipline of celebration. Did you know that celebration is a spiritual discipline? You did not. Yeah. (laughs) Spiritual discipline. Did you know God actually commands that you party? Cool. Service is over. Let's go do that. It is actually a spiritual discipline, the spiritual discipline of celebration. Now, growing up, 
in my family, we didn't have a whole lot. Some of you know my story that uh, I'm an immigrant family from Poland. And so my parents didn't speak English. They worked factory jobs. They worked shifts. They worked multiple jobs and, and young kids. And, you know, it was tough. So we didn't have a whole lot. But my mum would pull out all stops when it came to birthdays. She pulled together what little resource she had and she made sure every birthday was a big deal, okay? And so I thought that was normal until I got married. We won't call him Mr. Scrooge. (laughs) But we will just say that he didn't always see the necessity for my extravagance when it came to dinners, dinner parties and birthdays and holidays, okay? So... It, it took a little bit of, um, you know, compromise and actually it was all compromise on his part because I was not compromising on any of this. I'm the sort of person that will take any excuse to celebrate. It's the first day of term. Let's go out for milkshakes. It's the last day of term. Let's go out for milkshakes. You lost a tooth. Let's celebrate. You got a good report card. Awesome. Let's go on a coffee date. Like every single excuse to celebrate. That's me. Okay, that's me. And when it comes to holidays, I'm all out for holidays. I'm like, it's got to be the best accommodation. There's a meal plan and every single night is a feast. I mean, every single night of holidays is a party because it's holidays. It's what you do. And Sam will be like, do we really have to spend that much? Do we have to go there? Can we go somewhere cheaper? I'm like, no, we cannot go somewhere cheaper. If we're going on holidays, it's going to be an awesome holiday. Do you really have to spend that much money on a four-year-old birthday party? Yes, I have to spend that much money on a four-year-old birthday party. This is me. Are there any other women in the room like this? Yes, all the husbands. (laughs) Husbands are dobbing their wives in. You know what? Ladies, own it. Because it just proves that you are way more spiritual than him. (laughs) This is me. I once made a birthday cake that took me six days to make. It was a castle, and it was the size of a small table, and it had towers and spears, and and like, it was enormous. I never did it again, because it was a nightmare, but I am that person. I am that person that goes out, and don't even get me started at the lengths I would go to, to host a dinner party properly, right? Like, anyone who's been knows. But I want to tell you that God loves to celebrate too, and this is why I just remind Sam over and over that I am more spiritual than him. Because God actually commands us to celebrate. In the Old Testament, God told his people that they had to celebrate at certain times, in certain ways, and for certain reasons. And so he actually instituted feasts and festivals and rest periods. And the reason he did it is so that we could keep our spirits hot and our zeal high. He did it to allow us to add value to the experience we call life. He did it so that we would remember what was truly important in life and enjoy the gift of each other. He did it so that we could appreciate our successes and he did it so that we could stay connected to him. And so in the Old Testament, he actually says, hey, you know what, you have to stop at these pointed times in the year and this is how I want you to celebrate. This is how I want you to rest. This is what I want you to do. God knew that the human condition could not withstand the demands and pressures of life. 
God knew that without moments of deliberate celebration, we would grow weary, we would start wandering in vain, and we would lose ourselves in the grind and culture of life. God knew that you and I could not withstand all the losses, all the trials, without these moments of deliberate celebration and party and rest. The problem is, is that much of the church has lost its ability to party and the world has twisted it and turned it into something that is not helpful or healthy. And so we look at the world and we go, well, if that's what celebration is, I'll have nothing to do with it because I'm godly. And so we just don't celebrate. But God actually tells us, you know what? There is a spiritual discipline of celebration because you can't make it through life without it. You can't make it through life without stopping and laughing and eating to your heart's content and getting around people who you love. You cannot make it through life without disciplined celebration. How cool is that? This is the one discipline we're all happy to adopt, isn't it? The discipline of celebration. Without deliberate pause, reflection and celebration, we cannot maximize the life that he's given to us. And this is like fascinating. I have to tell you, as I've been studying this, I have just been like a grin from ear to ear. Honestly, it has been probably one of my favorite studies I've ever done. And I could probably preach to you for three hours on the different feasts and how amazing they all are. And I encourage you, if there are any scholars in the room, look up Jack Hayford's writing on, um, on celebration. It's absolutely fascinating. And I just love that nothing in God is a coincidence. So when we look at the feasts and the fulfillment of what Jesus, I mean, yeah, I won't bore you, but it's absolutely incredible. God is so smart. But it amazes me how many people don't take time to celebrate milestones and special events. Many people plow through from one week to the next, month after month, year after year, without stopping to enjoy the fruits of their labor and the people that God has put around them. But this isn't living this is existing. Celebration is much of what gives meaning to our life. Celebration is powerful. It is so, so powerful. And I have to say that we're at a point now, we're just about to next weekend celebrate 15 years of marriage. Yeah, we made it. 15. That's awesome. Um, but we're at a point now where when it comes to booking accommodation, Sam's even more of an accommodation snob than I am now. So he's finally got it, all right? He's Ask the guys who he's traveling with. He's like, no, we're not staying there, guys. I need something much more posh than that. I'm like, who are you? I like this person. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to quickly put up a couple of tables for those scholars in the room. The rest of you, just stay tuned. It's all good. I'm not going to go through all of it, but there are so many. So these on the screen here, it's probably faint for you, sorry. They, these are the seven main feasts that God told his people they had to observe. So we have the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. And this is my own personal table, okay? This is like days of research into a table. So please appreciate it. Can we just take a moment? All right. And this is one of about four. Um, so what it commemorated, so God said, hey, you know what? I want you to celebrate once a year this thing called the Passover. And what it commemorates, 
was in Israel when you were slaves. Remember when you were slaves and I told you to put blood, a lamb's blood on the doorpost because I was sending the angel of death through and I was going to spare your home, your home if you marked your doorposts with blood. So we're going to call this the Passover when the spirit of death passed over your home and I spared you. And what you're going to do, your tradition will be a Passover meal. And you'll sit around with your family and you'll have this Passover meal. And you'll tell stories for generations about what I did that night. The amazing theme of forgiveness and, and being spared. The awesome significance of it is it's a foreshadowing. This is so amazing, guys. And this is the, the nerd in me going, oh my gosh. Because what it signifies is actually Jesus coming as the sacrificial lamb. Hello. So the spirit of death passes over our lives and we mark our lives with his blood. Hello. It's so amazing. And then, but you know, the cool thing, the cool thing is Jesus, the, the sacrificial lamb, was actually crucified on the Passover. What a coincidence. God's pretty smart. Total coincidence. But there's more coincidences. Wait. Unleavened bread. So this was like, okay, the Passover's happened. This is back in Egypt again. I want you, my beautiful people, to stop and have a feast of unleavened bread. What this means is, do you remember when you were in Egypt and I said, tonight's the night. You're fleeing tonight. The angel of death has passed over. You need to gather up your stuff and get out of here. They didn't have time when they were making their bread to put leaven in the bread because they didn't have time for the bread to rise. So they made unleavened bread so that they could just get out the door and go. And so I want you now to have this feast of unleavened bread. What leaven means, leaven is something you take out of the past to put into your current so that it affects the current situation. What God is saying is you are totally being cut off from your past. Don't put that leaven in your situation. Actually clear everything out that has leaven in it in your house. And so the tradition was that they would make unleavened bread, but they would also do a spring clean and they would clean anything out of the house that had leaven in it. And so it's amazing because what they're talking about is purity and sanctification. Here's the coincidence. Jesus was buried on that day. Jesus was buried on that day. And then we go on and the next coincidence, the festival of first fruits, which actually marked the start of the barley harvest, they would bring a first fruits offering. Okay, get this. Jesus was resurrected on the day of the first fruits. Jesus is the first fruits offering. God gave Jesus as a first fruit offering so that he would be the first son of many sons and daughters. What a coincidence that Jesus would rise on the day of the first fruits celebration. Okay, the next one will blow your mind. I'm sorry, I might be the only excited person in this room. Pentecost. We know Pentecost because it's the day that the Holy Spirit came. But God said to his people, I want you to celebrate this day called Pentecost for hundreds of years before the Holy Spirit was poured out. And what it was, it was the end of the barley and the beginning of the wheat harvest. And this was the thing that they would do. They would bake two loaves, one with leaven, one without leaven. And what it signified was a sinful man and a pure man, a Gentile and a Jew, people inside the family of God, people not in the family of God. Get this, they're in the upper room hundreds of years after celebrating this feast every year. They're in the upper room going, what is happening? This is scary. Jesus has died and gone to heaven. We don't know what's going on. 
on the day of the Pentecost celebration, the Holy Spirit is poured out on who? Jew and Gentile. What a coincidence. What a coincidence that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day that signifies the family of God being open and including anybody who wants to be a part of it. And it's the start of the church. 3,000 people were added to the church on that day. I mean, I could go on. I told you, I could probably do this for three hours. This is amazing because we've got all these other feasts. The cool thing is those first four are already fulfilled. The next three are yet to be fulfilled. And for those of you who love the rapture and the millennial reign, which I can't even get my head around, go for your life, all right? So then let's go two more across. We won't go the next one. We'll go to this one. So we have just other feasts. Um, So we have the Sabbath day, which God said one day a week you will rest. And it signifies that God rested on the seventh day. It signifies that when uh, Israel came out of Egypt, it was the end. It was the rest. It was the end of slavery and work. So he actually commands you to rest. This observance was actually punishable if you didn't do it. You know, like it reminds me of like my four-year-old. And I go, no, it is bedtime. You must go to bed. And he's like, I don't want to go to bed. And I think, I wish I had someone who made me to go to bed. You do, okay? God is saying, you have to rest. Come on, time out. It's time to rest. Go to your room and rest. And it is a very spiritual thing, okay? Next time you're taking a rest and someone tells you you're being lazy, just go, no, I'm being very, very spiritual. (laughs) Oh, the year of Jubilee is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Once every 50 years, when every slave would be released, when every debt would be pardoned, where you could regain all your lost field and property. Amazing. So many amazing things. But the cool thing is that Jesus is the beautiful fulfillment of all the feasts. God is so smart. God is so smart. And everything he wrote in Scripture was a foreshadowing of what we can live in now and what Jesus accomplished for us. Blows my mind. I can't even communicate in half an hour how enormous the discipline of celebration is to our lives. But in my study... This is what I've boiled it down to, that God has a pattern for living. The next slide. In all our living, this is what life looks like. Sacrifice and celebration. Sacrifice and celebration. God wants you to work hard. He wants you to invest. He wants his people to have a work ethic. He wants his people to be committed. He wants his people to be contributors to society. He wants his people to be diligent. He wants his people to sow themselves fully into the culture and into their work and into their environments. But then he also wants them to be grateful and he wants them to celebrate and he wants them to take time to pause and celebrate. And so your life flows in this pattern. You work your backside off and you party hard. You work your backside off and you party hard. And that's the pattern that God wants for his people. Amazing. This is it. This is your life in a nutshell. The problem is if you don't do the celebration part, the godly way to do it, the amazing discipline of celebration, is that you'll end up a burnt out mess. And either that or you'll substitute this with weird self-gratification like the world does, which is not wholesome and not helpful either. So God knows that. And that's why he said, hey, this is how I want you to celebrate. 
So the title of my message this morning actually is Party Etiquette. Did you know God said, hey, come to my party and here are the party rules? All right, I want to give you five party rules according to scripture, according to the way God wants us to celebrate. In Nehemiah verse, uh, chapter 8, God is restoring, if you know the book of Nehemiah, he's rebuilding the city of God. He's restoring his people. And the prophet Ezra is a prophet at the time. And, and they bring out the scripture and they read it to the people. And the people start wailing. And this is amazing. In Nehemiah 8, So they read from the book of the law of God distinctly, faithfully, amplifying and giving sense so that the people actually understood what was being read to them. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all of them, This day is holy. Many people don't realize that holiday actually means holy day. This day is holy to the Lord, Um, your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And Ezra said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, send portions of him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God and not to be grieved or depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. So the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still, for the day is holy and do not be grieved and sad. And all the people went their way to eat, drink, and send portions, and make great rejoicing, for they had understood the words that were declared to them. And earlier on in in Deuteronomy, uh, it tells us, sorry, later on in Deuteronomy, God actually describes all those feasts that I showed you, and he says, this is what you need to do on the Passover, this is what you need to do on the first fruits, this is what you need to do on the unleavened bread. And he actually explains it all in chapter 16 of Deuteronomy. But I want to read to you their response and how he wants us to respond. In verse 11, it says, And you shall rejoice before the Lord Lord your God, you and your son and daughter, your maidservant, your manservant and maidservant, and the Levite who is within your towns, the stranger or the temporary resident, the fatherless and the widow who is among you. At the place in which the Lord your God chooses to make his name and his presence dwell. And you shall earnestly remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And you shall be watchful and obey these statutes. And you shall observe the feast of tabernacles or booths for seven days. Verse 14. You shall rejoice in your feast, you, your son, your daughter, your maidservant, your manservant, the Levite, the transient, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, who are in your towns. Okay, so out of those two passages of scripture, here is the party etiquette for how you are to celebrate. You ready? Number one, you must make it a time of remembrance. A time of remembrance. And I talk a lot about you choose what to remember. Too many people remember the wrong things. Too many people dwell on the wrong things. Too many people fall further and further into depression and anxiety because they focus on the wrong things. And God is saying, I want you to remember all the awesome things that I've done for you. I want you actually to make time throughout the year where you'll come together and you will remember how good it is to be called my people where you'll remember the miracles that I've done for you. So many people fall out of relationship with God after they receive a miracle, and it blows my mind. 
Many times I wish, God, I wish you hadn't have granted them their prayer request. But it's because they failed to remember. And so God says, you will remember, you must remember this feast, this celebration is about you remembering me as your source, you remembering me as being faithful in your life, as a deliverer. What has he delivered you from? If I could ask you personally, where would your life be today if it wasn't for Jesus? Don't you dare forget that. Let us never forget that. Without Jesus, where would I be? Where would I be and what would my life look like? We need to remember him as a deliverer. We need to remember him as a provider. It says in verse 12, you shall earnestly remember that you were once a slave. All of us, without Jesus, are slaves. We are slaves to the world. In Jesus, we are slaves, but we're slaves to a king who gives us freedom and liberty and blessing and prosperity. We devote ourselves fully to a God who sets us free. But you need to remember, earnestly remember that you were a slave. This is where stories are told. We need to tell stories. We need to remember. We need to verbalize the goodness of God to our children and to our friends. Because where stories are told, foundations are laid and strengthened. Identity is built. Too many of our children have identity crises because no one sat and told stories around a table with them. No one made a moment of remembrance, a discipline of remembrance. Glory is given to God when we remember. When we remember. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses says to the people, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside you and get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them around your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and your city gates. Church, I want to challenge you to restore the family table. Breaks my heart when I hear that people actually don't ever have a meal together anymore. They do TV dinners, people are in and out like ships in the night. I want to challenge us here in this room to restore the family table. Bring it back together, even if it's just once a month or once a week. Do it as a moment of remembrance and tell stories. Tell stories. So rule number one, that it's a moment of remembrance. All right, rule number two, here's a good one. It's a moment of rejoicing. Okay, God actually says, no, 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 don't be depressed right now. Don't be sad right now. I want you to celebrate in a rejoicing posture. I want you to have fun. I want you to laugh. I want you to be upbeat and excited and, and relaxed. I want you to rejoice because you are my people and because I love you. I want you to rejoice as you remember. He actually commands them to rejoice. And you shall rejoice, he says. You will rejoice. You will be happy. <laughs> you will. You must. You, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. Nehemiah says, eat the fat, drink the drink, send portions. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. If you're weak today, if you feel like you don't have a place to run, you need to cheer up. You need to remember the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need to celebrate. You need to have fun and laugh in a world that has lost its ability to celebrate in a healthy manner, this is a powerful witness. This right here is a powerful witness. Many of us have friends and family who are not Christians and we invite them over and we think, yes, this is my opportunity to pull out my Bible that's this thick and slam it on the table and read 300 you know, chapters of the Bible and that'll show them. No, why don't you invite them over and laugh and love each other and be embracing and celebrate. And they'll go, oh wow, they're Christians and they're fun. It's not rocket science, but it changes people's lives. And in John 13, 35, it says, by this all men shall know that you're my disciples, if you love one another and keep on showing love for one another. Have fun, have fun. Amen. All the fun people said, amen. (laughs) Have fun, laugh, enjoy each other, rejoice, rejoice. Rule number two, have fun. You will have fun. It's the rule, okay? Please don't have a party without having fun, all right? Not allowed. Good word. No, no, no fun allowed. Okay, number three, and here's another really good one, feasting. Yes, yes. How cruel is this on the last day of of fast, right? So, so Dave taught us about fasting last week. Um, Pastor Mark actually says that fasting is actually just feasting spelt wrong. <laughs> I quote Mark a lot, but this one's really amusing. I love that. God actually says, yes, you will fast. And, and Dave's message last Sunday morning about tapping into spiritual authority through fasting is spot on. God also tells us that we have to feast. We have to feast. Feasting, this is all about food, like really good food, really, really good food. In Bible times, meat was very rare to come by. It's not like us where we can, we can have lamb chops tonight and, you know, beef tomorrow and a roast chicken the day after. In Bible times, it was very rare. And so God's saying, when he says eat the fat, they're like, oh my gosh, like that is a feast. And for some of us who try to watch our weight, yeah, that's also a feast. But he's going, go all out. Go all out. Go to all expenses. See, I told you. Go to all expenses. Go to all expenses and feast on the best of the best of the best. You have to feast. Rule number three is Make it awesome. Make the, f- the food incredible. Go all out. Pull out all stops. God is telling them to go above and beyond. I love good food and I love good food presentation. Hospitality is written into the core of who I am. And I just love it because God loves it too. God's all about hospitality. Reminds me of the time in Scripture when, um, when Abraham has three visitors that come to his tent three men and it's actually God and he doesn't know but he has a hospitable heart 
And he says, hey, don't go until I can give you some water and a piece of bread to refresh you so you can go on your journey. And they're like, okay, sure. And he goes into the tent and he's like, Sarah, I want you to make a feast. (laughs) And so she brings out the fattened calf and she brings out the wine and the spices. This is God's heart. It's like, if you're going to pull some food out, make it awesome. Make it awesome. And so this is amazing. This is the heart of God. God calls us to feast. And did you know it's the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? Yep, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me prove it to you. Revelation 19 verse 7. Let us be sad. Let us rejoice and shout for joy, exulting and triumphant. Let us celebrate and ascribe ascribe to him glory and honor for the marriage of the lamb at last has come. And other translations say the marriage supper of the lamb. Let's all get together now that we're all in heaven and party and feast. It's the first thing we're all going to do when we're all together in heaven. God loves a good meal. He loves a good party. So I want to challenge you, go all out. Make your food amazing. No more scrappy meals when you have a party, said Carolina. Outlawed. We need to feast and we need to make it awesome. Number four, rule number four is it's a time of renewal where we renew our commitment to God, His ways, His principles, His authority, His promises, His direction. When we take a moment to remember God's goodness, we find ourselves naturally renewing our commitment to Him. But without the moment of remembrance, without the moment of celebration, our commitment kind of gets eroded. That's why this is so important. Because you take a moment, you still yourself, you remember the goodness of God, and you're like, oh God, you are actually so good. You are so good, and you find yourself recommitting. You find yourself renewing your commitment to Him. In Deuteronomy 16, 12, it says, you'll remember that you're a slave and be watchful to observe these statutes. When we come together in the presence of God, we remember what it is to be a part of his family and we renew. And the last one is relationship. I love it. It tells us who is meant to be a part of this. Just find it. Your son, your daughter, your maidservant, your manservant, the Levite who is in your towns, the stranger, the temporary resident, the fatherless, the widow who is among you. Your family, your friends, your employees, strangers, foreigners, destitute and displaced. When we celebrate, our homes are open. Why? Because we're imitating God's all-embracing posture to all of humanity. There's a tradition that I grew up with. Um, Every Christmas and Easter when we would do a big meal, I told you my mum took every excuse to do this. There's a tradition, and many of you may be familiar with it, where we would set an empty place at the table. And what it represented, it's a tradition that's been passed down for generations where if a stranger were to come to the door, there would be a place set for them. And it's quite powerful because I grew up looking at that empty seat, but it was always empty. I want to challenge you today to fill the empty seat, to prepare a, a space and fill it. When was the last time you opened your home 
to what the Bible calls a foreigner or a widow or a stranger or an orphan? When was the last time you looked beyond your clique of family and friends and brought someone in to fill that seat? Because that's what God wants us to do. I love this. In Matthew 5, Jesus is talking about that we are a city on a hill. And He says this, Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. That's the power of an open home and a a, a place set for someone. You don't even have to pull out your Bible dictionary. You just set a place and you love someone and their hearts will be turned towards God. That is being a city on a hill. That is the power of it. So I want to challenge you to have an open home and an open life. And church, as I was preparing this week, this is why I'm so excited. I had an out-of-the-box idea. Because today, I want you to apply this today. Today, this afternoon, cancel all your plans. If you can. I rang the office as I was preparing my message. And I said, I want to buy every family a hot chicken for Sunday to take home to set their table, to get their family together, to maybe invite a neighbour or a friend. So today after the service, for free, we have hot chickens available for every family who wants to do this. You don't look very excited. (laughs) Yes, and we need to thank our friends at IGA, shameless plug, because they gave us a really good rate on these hot chickens, they're wait- I can see them, they're waiting for you in the hot box. I want you to be able to set your table, I can smell them now, the door open. Maybe go to the foreshore and stretch out some blankets, get some friends together. You know, look for someone that you can take and have a moment of celebration, a moment of remembrance. I c- this is what I visualised this week. I visualised church families sitting at the Redcliffe foreshore at Sutton's Beach in their homes, families getting together and talking about the goodness of God. I visualise kids running around and having a great time. I visualise you guys getting around food and enjoying each other and doing what God ordered us to do, and that is celebrate. And you know what? I know the fast doesn't end till tomorrow, but Pastor said it's okay. We can eat today. All right, you've done great. You've done it for two weeks. Let's do this. Let's do this, but I want photographic evidence. So I've got hashtags for you to use because I'm fasting social media. I will have a look tomorrow when my fast uh, finishes and I want to see you guys. Have we got those? I want to see you celebrating today. So take photos, celebrate, spread the word. Will you do that? And they're for free until they run out. Okay, I've got bulk hot chickens until they run out. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Amen. He's so good, isn't He? He knows us so well. And He tells us to be diligent. And he tells us to be fruitful. And He tells us to work. And He tells us to be contributors. But He also says, hey, take time to celebrate. Take time to enjoy all the things that I've given you. Don't just rush on to the next thing. Make it a discipline of celebration. I love it. He knows us so well. He knows us so well with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe you're in this room and and you're hearing this tug on your heart because you don't know 
God as a father. You don't know Him as a saviour. And today God's inviting you to sit at His table. Today He's inviting you to join His family. One time in my own life, I accepted an invitation just like this. And I became adopted into the family of God. And spiritually speaking, I found myself at a table I felt like I didn't belong at. But there was a place set for me at that table. It was waiting for me. And at that table, I found everything, spiritually speaking, that my heart was hungering for. The feast that God has put before me since I made that decision has been so bountiful, so blessed. And this morning, I'm standing in front of you just like someone did with me hundreds, not hundreds, many years ago. I know I look good for my age, but I'm not that old. And they said, hey, will you come into this relationship with God? I'm inviting you as well. And this morning... I'm going to count to three. And if you want to respond and join the family of God, I'd love for you to raise your hands on the count of three, just so I can see it. It's just an indicator of what's going on in your heart, an agreement between you and God. Yeah, I accept your invitation. I want to be counted among your family. I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. On the count of three, if that's you, I'd love for you to raise your hand. One, He loves you. and He's put the invitation out to you this morning. Two, I want you to know he's not angry. He's not disappointed. Whatever's gone on in your past, it's okay. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you. Amazing. Three, if there's anyone else, just raise your hand as I look across. Yes, I see your hand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these amazing men and women who have responded. But more than that, God, I thank you for your beautiful outstretched hand and your embrace that wants to include us, that loves us so much. Father, I thank you that in this moment we are adopted as your sons and daughters. Father, we are now sons and daughters of the living God, adopted and grafted into your family from this moment on. Father, I thank you that your word says that you wash us clean. Lord God, that the old has gone and the new has come. Behold, I do a new thing. And today you are doing a new thing. You are recreating. And today I thank you for these hearts that have responded and opened up to you. Father, I thank you for a heart of repentance that says, I'm sorry for journeying without you all this time. I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. I thank you for forgiveness of sins, for mercy and for grace, for justification in Jesus in Jesus. Father God, I thank you for a hedge of protection around about them. Lord God, that as their family, we would get around them. Father God, I thank you that you would position them in your family, grafted in. This is the first day of a new beginning in Jesus' name. Let's give them a round of applause. So awesome. So awesome. Amen. Amen. Well, if you responded, you raised your hand. I saw about four or five hands. Maybe you just responded in your heart. I want to tell you that's perfectly okay too. Sam never raised his hand. I asked him if he's even saved. That's okay. I get that. (laughs) But you know what? The point is that we do this together. And so we would love to meet you and help you on this journey. And so the way to connect, the easiest way to connect is to go to the Yes Bar after the service. We have hosts there who want to answer your questions and... um, and just help you get connected on this journey. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love just to answer any questions you have.
because tomorrow it all starts. Amen. And so we just want to love you and celebrate you. Amen. Okay, church, why don't we stand to our feet? Stand to your feet. As the mother of this house, I want to put a hot chicken on your table today because I want to celebrate you and your family. I want to see you enjoying what the goodness of God is in your life. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you to enjoy life. Amen. And I would love for you. I'd love for you to sit down and actually plan strategic times of celebration throughout the year and maybe once a month and do this as a discipline. How cool that this is a discipline. And I reckon life will change when we start doing this, when we start cheering up and celebrating and eating really good food from time to time. Amen. All right. Well, guys, have an amazing afternoon. Make sure you use your hashtags. Make sure you have a great day. It's beautiful weather. We're going to come back at five o'clock and hear the last installment of Hunger and Thirst. And um, have an amazing week. We love you, church. Let's go out praising God. There's a sound